The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the HR status quo and how people are organized, engaged, and motivated to create real business impact. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are so excited. We're debuting a brand new series. If you're trying to keep track, even I can't, but I think we're up to series number 23 under the banner of Game Changers Radio presented by SAP. We are thought leadership. We are smart, savvy experts, thought leaders having conversations. We have an audience all around the world, and this is our first show in a long time, our first series focusing on HR, so I hope you will make it a regular habit to listen to this show. So let me get started with my usual welcome, 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 welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, you know you're in the right place. Today's buzz, buckle down or buckle up. We'll get to that in a minute. Here's the good news. Public and private company CHROs, okay, I'll translate, Chief Human Resources Officer, CHRO, are increasingly the enviable position of gaining access to the board. Now, it's questionable who is envying that, probably other people in the company in positions of power who think, wow, the CHRO gets to sit in the C-suite, wonder what chair they're in. So it sounds good on paper. Here's the not-so-good news. Many of these CHROs feel least prepared unprepared, not prepared to talk about policy, governance, and strategy at the board level. Despite the fact that their role is a higher stakes role today, they have so much to gain if they're ready, but apparently they're not. So why is this so important? With government policies focused on human capital topics, another word for HR, infractions could have financial and criminal implications for individual board members. That can be scary if you're new to the C-suite. Here's our message, our brief message right at the top of the show to CHROs, do your homework, claim your power. How? We have a panel of experts who are going to help us figure this out. I would simply say, listen and take notes. This is going to be good stuff. The experts speak. It's my great pleasure to welcome my colleague at SAP. She recently came back from a, a tour of doing different things. She's Dr. Patty Patricia Fletcher, Strategic and Solution Marketing at SAP Success Factors. And Patty, before I introduce you with the quote, which is our normal format, I'd like to welcome you to Game Changers Radio. Why don't you just give us a one-minute overview of what this series is going to be doing and covering for the next uh, 10, 20 weeks. Patty, welcome. Thank you, Bonnie. Thanks. And it, it's great to be back on, on the show. I enjoyed myself last summer. Um, yeah, this um, over the next, between now, I think, and the end of September, every other Thursday at this time, we're going to be focused, like you said, on the topic of changing the game with HR. And what we mean by that, and one of the things we're, we're talking about today is changing the conversation when it comes to the role HR plays in business. 
And so we'll go through various topics, starting with, of course, policy and governance, like we are today. Um, the CHROs need a new conversation, all the way to things around performance management, around recruiting, around training. Um, so really, really looking forward to the show and hearing what people's thoughts are on, on how HR is transforming itself for business success. Thank you, Patty. Great introduction. I'm looking forward to it, too. So I'm working with you. It's going to be a pleasure. So let me now introduce you formally. Dr. Patty Fletcher has sent me the following quote from Dr. Seuss. Come on. How long could you have been hiding under a rock to not know the name Dr. Seuss? His <laughs> real name was Theodore Seuss Geisel, G-E-I-S-E-L. He was an American writer, lived from 1904 to 1991. Boy, would he have loved social media. And he was an illustrator best known for authoring popular children's books under the name... Dr. Seuss. His books include several of the most popular children's books ever, selling over 600 million copies and being translated into more than 20 languages by the time he left us in 1991. Interesting factoid here, Patty. Geisel adopted his Dr. Seuss pen name during his university studies at Dartmouth College and the University of Oxford. He left Oxford in 1927 to begin a career as an illustrator and cartoonist for Vanity Fair Life and other publications and his first children's book and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street all the way back in 1937. I don't know anybody who hasn't seen that. By the way, his birthday, March 2nd, has been adopted as the annual date for National Read Across America Day, an initiative on reading created by the National Education Association. Here is the quote Patty has selected from the great vast lore of Dr. Seuss. Quote, you have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. Now, formally, welcome Dr. Patty Fletcher to your own series. How did I do, Patty? Did that come across as the way Dr. Seuss would say it? That was fantastic. And I love learning something, and I just learned quite a few things there. Thank you. And, you know, that quote, Bonnie, it was it was either that one or one that is related to what you were talking about before we get the show intro. The other quote I was pondering was, if you don't have a seat at the table, that means you're on the menu. And the way that it relates to, to that quote was, you know, since the dawn of time, I've been in the HR business a, a long, long, long time, and since the dawn of time, it's um, been a discussion around HR getting a seat at the table. And we're moving away from that, and I think we'll hear that today as well as in the other conversations. HR is an inflection point. We do need HR in the board. We'll talk about today why. Their decision, feet in their shoes, the direction they go is truly up to them. Do they want to continue um, executing strategy and doing so well, or do they want to be able to inform on a strategy and truly have people and the human capital they bring to the table be the most strategic, long-term, and short-term advantage for a business? Thank you, Patty. And during the show, not right now, but during the show, I'd love to get the M word into the conversation with you and our other panelists, the millennial word, as millennials take on more and more and more and more roles and positions in the U.S. workforce in particular. I understand in the next five years, there'll be 75% of workforce will be millennials, five demographic cohorts, generations working side Mm -hmm. by side. Boomers like me aren't going anywhere in any hurry. So we are stretching out that age range. But what they're going to have to say about that strategic role of the CHRO in the boardroom. Patty, so let's make a note of that and let's talk about that later. Thank you, Patty. Welcome. And now I'd like to introduce our second panelist. She is Fabiana Lacerca Allen, president of the compliance consulting firm 
Ethiprax, E-T-H-I-P-R-A-X. And Fabiana has sent me a beautiful quote from a classical poem by Rudyard Kipling. Let me just give a little background on Kipling. His full name was Joseph Rudyard Kipling. He lived from 1865 to 1936. He was an English journalist, short story writer, poet, and novelist. You may know him best from his books, The Jungle Book. 1894. Well, you probably weren't around then, but you heard about it. Kim, 1901. And many short stories, including The Man Who Would Be King. His poems include Mandalay, Gunga Din, The Gods of the Copybook Headings. Never heard of that. The White Man's Burden. And here's the one Fabiana has selected for our quote today. It's the poem, If. As a matter of fact, a friend of the family who is no longer with us printed this quote out on a beautiful parchment paper, or he bought it that way and gave it to me, and it's hanging here in my office for about 20 years. The the poem is If. I'm just going to read a little bit, and then we'll ask Fabiana to tell us how it relates to the topic. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting, too. If You can wait and not be tired by waiting or being lied about. Don't deal in lies or being hated. Don't give way to hating. And yet, don't look too good nor talk too wise. I'll stop there. Fabiana Lacerca Allen, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? Thank you. Good morning. I'm doing great today. Happy to have you. I love the poem. I love the quote. I only read the first stanza. Otherwise, we'd have to devote a good part of the show to it. It's got three more very long stanzas. Are you a big fan of Kipling's, Fabiana? And how does this quote relate to our topic? We're talking modern-day CHRO boardrooms. Kipling wouldn't even know what this was. So make the link for me, please. I know, but it's so relevant. Um, Some time ago, I was asked, how do I choose the people to work with? Um, And my answer was, when I look at somebody, I think, would I be kidnapped with them? Um, what I meant is that people that have true leaders, people that I admire, can keep their head during a crisis, can, can think straight. Natural leaders can have the, you know, have the right instinct, have a compelling vision <clears throat> and a strategic plan, but they can adapt to change. And that's why the, the poem is so relevant because he's talking about keeping your head straight when people are doubting you, doing the right thing despite people not giving you the chance. And I think true leaders, the ones that I admire and I'd like to follow, are the ones that exhibit those values. And people that are going to be successful on the board, people that are going to be successful doing what we want them to do in a rapidly changing environment, in a world that is more global as we speak, are going to have those, those traits. Thank you, Fabiana. As you're speaking, I'm thinking of the opening and just before when I was chatting with Dr. Patty Fletcher, the sponsor of this series, and we're talking specifically about CHRO having the enviable position of being invited in, accepted to the boardroom, but not quite being ready. So my question to you is in your quote, if you can keep your, keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. Is there a sense of intimidation, Fabiana, for the CHROs, and many of them may be females, and we'll get into that later in our conversation, I know. Is there any sense of intimidation? Oh, my God, I'm going into the C-suite. What's going to happen in there? Will they accept me? Will I be smart enough? Will I know my stuff? What do you think? Is Are they intimidated or scared? 
I think that any time that you do something new, that you are breaking ground, that you're doing something that most people haven't, if you're not scared, you're too irresponsible <laughs> to do it. And so a good sense of a little scared, a little anticipation makes you actually be better, be better prepared, know what to expect. I think there is a little of that. There is a little of that in all of us that do something that has not been done before. Thank you very much. And that's human, and that's okay. And we want CHROs to be human, but we want them to be strong and smart. We have a lot to talk about. Fabiana, pleasure to have you. And now let me introduce another panelist, our third panelist. She is Barbara O'Kane, O-C-A-I-N, Global Strategic Advisor, SAP Success Factors. And Barbara has dug up an old quote, charming, from Eleanor Roosevelt. Oh, come on, everyone, you know. She lived from 1884 to 1962. She was an American politician, diplomat, and social activist. But perhaps most to her credit, Eleanor Roosevelt was the longest-serving first lady of the United States from March 1933, a pivotal year year to April 1945, another pivotal year during her husband, President Franklin D. Roosevelt's four terms in office. And if that wasn't enough, keeping her busy, whatever she was doing in the White House, she served as the U.S. delegate to the United Nations General Assembly from 1945 to 1952. President Harry S. Truman called her the first lady of the world in tribute to her human rights achievements. Now, I'm going to read the quote Barbara has selected from the lore of Eleanor Roosevelt, and I've got a couple of goodies to bring into the conversation with Barbara. I did my homework on favorite Eleanor Roosevelt quotes. So here's this one. A woman is like a tea bag. You can't tell how strong she is until you put her in hot water. Ouch. Barbara O'Kane, such a pleasure to welcome you. How are you today, Barbara? Thank you. Doing great. I love the quote, and there are so many of them that Eleanor Roosevelt has provided us. And what you didn't say in that background is that, and you wouldn't know this, my grandmother actually worked and met with her on many, many occasions. Wow, we've got a little personal history here. So you're how mm-hmm. many degrees how many degrees separated from Eleanor Roosevelt are you, Barbara? Um, well, no, that would be two degrees, two degrees. Yeah, I think that's very, very impressive. No, that wasn't on Wikipedia, but we can fix that, Barbara. We can talk to them. <laughs> so tell me, are you a big fan of Eleanor Roosevelt? And what does this mean I, to our context of our topic today, Barbara? I, I am a huge fan of Eleanor Roosevelt. She was a remarkable woman who struck out uh, on her own in many different, uh, many different ways and was quite a, a pace setter for women who followed two and three generations later. And, and I'm going to take a few liberties with Eleanor's quote, um, mm-hmm. with the teabag quote, and, and I would like to say instead, in the context of our discussion today, that C-R-O, C-R, CHROs are like teabags, and you can't tell how strong they are until you put them in hot water. Ah. And, and I think that becomes relevant when you look at the changing role of CHROs as, as they expand into boardrooms. And, um, and, and their professional and their personal growth and, and the results depend on how strong they are. And HR leaders, it can be a real test of their mettle, their strength, their, um, mm-hmm. their ethics, their character, etc. But as a CHRO, you've spent years recognizing and mediating through difficult employee relations situations. So I think it's a spot where your strength can help you shine here when you when you rest back on your your own individual unique strengths and and skills and experiences 
it's a it's a place where you can really contribute and serve the uh, the board of directors. Thank you, Barbara. Very thoughtful discussion there. I want to just bring up my three favorite Eleanor Roosevelt quotes. Tell me if you agree. Number one, do what you feel in your heart to be right, for you'll be criticized anyway. You'll be damned if you do and damned if you don't. Like that one, Barbara? I love it. I love it. Now, it's so here's the one that's a little bit provocative. I had a rose named after me, and I was very flattered, but I was not pleased to read the description in the catalog. No good in a bed, but fine against a wall. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> she said it. You she are said in it. a risque mood today. <laughs> I certainly am. And here's the last one. This is more telling. Eleanor Roosevelt said, I think I have a good deal of my Uncle Theodore in me because I could not at any age be content to take my place by the fireside and simply look on. Isn't that the way she led her life, Barbara? Truly wow. not. Is that something? It, 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 she was an amazing, incredible woman, and, um, and, and you did a great job bringing her history into all this because she, you know, she set a path for so many of us so many years later. Just remarkable. Certainly did. Thank you, Barbara, for reintroducing us to Eleanor Roosevelt. Now it's time for me to go around the panel and ask our three panelists, where are you calling from, what time of the day or evening is it, and either what are you drinking right now if it's interesting or what would you rather be drinking later? Dr. Patty Fletcher, where and what are you drinking? Um, I'm in my home office in Natick, Massachusetts, and what I'd rather be drinking later on today <laughs> is what has become my favorite cocktail, a St. Germain cocktail. It's a third St. Germain, a third soda water, and a third some kind of bubbly. Prosecco, champagne, doesn't matter. It's delicious. Very good. Well, I didn't even know what St. Germain was till I looked it up 2.3 seconds ago, Patty, and here it is. The fizzy, ready? The fizzy elder, I warned you I looked stuff up. The fizzy elderflower and wine cocktail has become a modern classic. You simply need a measure, a measure of St. Germain elderflower liqueur, some champagne to cut the sweetness, and soda to make it ultra refreshing. Bravo mm -hmm. for you, Patty. You're mm -hmm. going to deserve it after launching your new series. Congratulations. Just drink Thank up. You. You'll drink, not until the show's over. There. Drink up and toast, <laughs> toast game changers. Thank you, Patty, and you certainly are one. Fabiana Lacerca, Alan, where are you calling from? What time is it, and what's in your cup today, Fabiana? So it's almost lunchtime, but not quite. It's 11.15. I'm calling from the East Bay, California. Um, right now I'm drinking um, something that I make, um, which is mint from my garden. I add turmeric, ginger and honey, and lemon. Mm. Boil it all up, then put it in the refrigerator with some ice and drink it up. It is really, really good. But what I'm looking forward to is having some great Argentinian Malbec um, as the sun goes down in beautiful California this evening. I am a big fan of Malbec. I've had a brand. I found at a restaurant was served to us about 10 years ago, and I whipped out my smartphone, took a picture of the label, and went to the liquor store the following week and just showed them the picture. And I said, that's what I want. They took me right to it in the bin. So that's the way to do it. That sounds wonderful. Thank you. And by the way, Malbec, chilled or room temperature? Because apparently our waiter uh, served it chilled, and we were quite surprised because it's a red. How do you prefer it, Fabiana? Room temperature, of course, yes. There you go. I'll have to go back and tell him you said so. Barbara O'Kane, where are you calling from, and what are you drinking, or what are you dreaming about? Calling from Raleigh, North Carolina, from my home office, looking out into the back where it is lush and green and absolutely spectacular. 
and it is uh, 2.20 here in the afternoon, and I am, I'm a little bit plainer here, but I'm drinking a cup of coffee, and it's, uh, it's a cup of Tim Horton's coffee, and um, a lot of my work, my, my personal and uh, um, travels, vacation travels and work travels have been in Canada, and I've grown to love Tim Hortons more than than Starbucks, and uh, if you're familiar with Tim Hortons, they call it the crack cocaine of coffee in Canada. It's, Talk it's about provocative crack cocaine of coffee. I, I can't believe I just said, you know, it's going to come out in the transcript twice, Patty. I'm sorry. Okay. Oh, my God. All right. Well, oh, that was a good one, Barbara. Thank you oh, for the dear. candor but, there. But at the end of the day, my own preference would be any good New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. I, am, I lived in New Zealand for a few months and just came to love it, chilled as cold as you can get it. Thank you very much. We've been redeemed. Thank you. I think we have a lot of provocative ladies on the call today. We are talking about HR in the boardroom. Officially, the topic is HR in the boardroom, the good, the bad, and the ugly with a question mark. We're not quite sure, but we're going to find out. We're going to try and shift the focus from the ugly and the bad into the good so that our CHROs in the audience or those who are aspiring CHROs, yes, people still dream about jobs like that, and why not? They'll have some good grounding and strategic focus for their future careers. We are speaking with very smart ladies, thought leaders, Dr. Patty Fletcher, Fabiana Lacerca Allen, and Barbara O'Kane. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break, so we're going to go and take about 60 seconds to have a pause that refreshes, and we'll come back with our roundtable, which Patty Fletcher is going to kick off with me. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Justin, out. From setting up the right structures, enabling technology, and compliant operations, to hiring, developing, and cultivating a culture of success, SAP SuccessFactors is excited to be your partner in redefining what human resources can deliver to business leaders. Changing the Game with HR brings you insights from the movers and shakers who are making this happen. We'll delve into global business challenges from the boardroom to the shop floor and learn what is working and what has to change, all to help you change HR from transactional to transformational. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top human resources, business, and technology strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how human resources leaders are shaping the future of change for all of us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Changing the Game with HR. And here we are at the pause that refreshes, and we're back and ready to take a deep dive into our roundtable conversation. Dr. Patty Fletcher has agreed to start this, and Patty, I'm looking at your notes. Here's where I think we should start. You say HR belongs in the boardroom, 
Period. End of story. Let me read a little more. Look, we've been talking about does HR deserve a seat at the table since what feels like the dawn of time? Of course, we were talking about strategy making, particularly at the C-suite. But when it comes to the boardroom and emergency of people topics, taking just as much influence as finance topics. Here's what Patty wants to say. CHROs must be in the room, as you said earlier. Otherwise, they will be on the menu. Provocative. Patty Fletcher, expand it, and then we'll go around the table, please. Please. Sure. I think the first thing to start with is what does the board do? Um, the board is not involved in the daily operations of a the business. They, their number one job is to sit, pick and govern the CEO, and they have a lot of fiduciary responsibility around that. And then, of course, to advise the, the C-suite. And HR is a C-suite member. Um, a decade and a half or so ago, the CEO, you know, took the sword and put one on each shoulder of the CFO and said, you are now a strategic member of this C-suite. You're going to go from accounting to give us insight into how money flows through this organization, where we invest, right, very strategic topics. And multiple things have happened since then where the CFO role, particularly in public companies, Sarbanes-Oxley, Basel too, has become so critically important when it comes to policy and practice of the business. When we understand and consider that the one differentiator a business has uh, is its people, whether we're talking about their leadership or we're talking about their human capital. When we're talking about things like what you talked about, Bonnie, where for the first time in the since recorded history um, that we know about from a business perspective, we have five generations of workers at the same time. That will continue for the next five years, and then it drops off. When we see the machinization, we realize that <clears throat> we have different demographics, different expectations. So, we'll, like you said, we'll talk about that. But also how people work, how they contribute, engagement or disengagement is at its all-time low. 85% of workers are disengaged. So when it comes to the board and making those policy practice strategic impacts, long-term decisions for a business, if the person who is supposed to represent the people, the talent, who applies to who gets promoted and everything in between and how we structure for success is not represented and doesn't have a voice, not quite sure how the board can make those decisions. Wow. Wow. Patty, you're on a roll here. Terrific information. Thank you. Very provocative. Let's see how our panelists agree or disagree or what they'd like to add. Fabiana Lacerca Allen, please join us. I fully agree. Um, you know, we're talking about tone at the top. The OIG has published guidelines about what a board of directors should look at and what are their responsibilities. And one of the things they talk about is ensuring that you have the right tone at the top. Um, and so that has several elements, of course. Um, but if the board is going to be looking and certifying to that, a big aspect of that is who your leadership is. Do you have the right people in the right place? And if you don't, what are you going to do about it? Generally, the CHROs are the ones that have been instrumental in ensuring that you have the right people in the right place, that you have the right people sitting at the table, that people can speak without fear of retaliation, that you're having the right discussions at the right level. And if you don't replicate that at the board, how can you ensure, how can you certify that you indeed have the right tone at the top? Thank you very much. Tone at the top. We'll have to remember that very interesting phrase and very important to the conversation. Barbara O'Kane, please join us. POV, please. 
Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, I think that one, you know, as, as we talk about culture and we talk about leadership, one of the real buzzwords at the, at the table these days for boards is, is risk. And when you look at, uh, for almost any organization that you pull out, that you look at, about anywhere from 40 to 60% of an organization's expenses are in its people and its payroll. I can't think of a larger, more significant area where there's risk, not only from the standpoint of expenses, but from the standpoint of of motivation and culture to accomplish what the organization needs to accomplish. And I I think Patty pointed out very aptly that um, that it's, it, the people are your differentiator. And so to have someone at the table who knows the people, who recognizes the people, and who understands the policies and the governance around the people and can help you know, um, guide the board through all this is absolutely critical. Thank you, Barbara. Patty, thoughts on what your co-panelists just shared? I'm sure you have something to add, please. Yeah, I think, you know, just a few, Scott, so much, but um, right on, Fabiana, with, with the tone at the top, and you bring up another point, which is what is HR's role with the board itself? Typically, that has been quite separate. HR really hasn't been necessarily involved in who do we have at the board, what is the makeup of the board. So that's quite interesting and certainly a trend that we're seeing or HR is, is starting to, to to get a little bit more involved in that, depending on the organization. The other key thing, Barbara, that um, brought up was around risk. This is a huge investment. Your people are not an expense. They are an investment. Um, in that HR understanding and knowing you belong here, when we started off the, the call, there was a talk around, you know, are they nervous? And, and Fabiana, I absolutely agree with you that that is human. I work a lot with um, new CEOs, and what I hear them do is focus on the wrong thing with their board. And I'm wondering if CHROs might fall into that, especially if they're new to the boardroom. It's difficult to have confidence in something you've never done before. It's very important to have competence. So as you know, Barbara has said, and Barbara and I have talked offline as well, when she comes at this from a place of, and talks about this from a place of, you are the person with the experience. Nobody knows the demographics of the workforce like you do. Nobody understands the recruiting, the attracting, the retaining, the, the, the leadership that's in place. When you come from that place of competence, that's what the board needs from you. They don't necessarily need you to know how to do everything already because you haven't had to work with them before. So super important. Thank you, Patty. Good conversation to start. Who wants? I hear somebody. Uh, we have another comment. Go ahead, Barbara or Fabiana. Well, I'll take it because I, yeah, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I, I really couldn't because I think you've got to come into the board um, with again with your unique skills and experience, etc. And you've got to be a talent strategist, and not just as Patty was saying. You can't come in with the minutia and the transactional stuff. Um, you, mm-hmm. you can't come in as an HR administrator. A board's job, a director's job, is to sort of sift through all those numbers and all those facts and and connect the dots and pick out the few really important dots and then connect them to create uh, a real meaningful picture of the organization's current condition, its opportunities and its risk. So I think that that's where the CHRO, through their talent strategy, comes in and pulls it together. 
Thank you. Very telling. And ladies, I want to move on to some notes from Fabiana Lacerca Allen's topics. Uh, something I'd like to introduce. Something is just jumping out at me as it was when you said tone at the top, Fabiana. Let me read this for a moment and then you can jump in. You say, in an environment where we see an increased number of corporate integrity agreements, which are CIAs, new term for me, deferred prop prosecution agreements and consent decrees where the OIG has issued guidance for board of directors and the latest CIAs require board certification. Here's what I want to get to. The most successful board of directors will have a distinctive characteristic, emotional intelligence. Fabiana, I've never thought of a board of directors and I've sat on a couple of them, not big corporations, but uh, local organizations. I've never thought of a board having emotional intelligence. As a matter of fact, the exact opposite is what usually strikes me. So Fabiana, talk to us. How in the world is emotional intelligence applied to a board? Who has it already? <laughs> well, as you said, it's not very common that we talk about people, leadership characteristics in that way. But to me, emotional intelligence is key in leaders, in our boards, in, in people that have functions that truly can influence others, impact others, and make a difference. Um, to me, somebody that has emotional intelligence has a, has a realistic self-awareness. They understand their own strengths and weaknesses, but they also understand how they impact others. Uh, they understand and their people's perspective and feelings relate to them effectively. They also have great intuition. And you ah. cannot be a, a thoughtful, um, impactful leader today if you don't have that. Um, the issues evolve so rapidly and, and involve so many different aspects. You know, I cannot see any, you know, in my experience as a board director of a publicly traded company, we were looking at issues from financial, to legal, to compliance, to HR-related. And people that don't understand, you know, their own strengths and weaknesses, that don't understand how other people feel about certain issues, can truly not be as effective as they want to be. Um, and so that's why that and having the right tone at the top, to me, is so critical in an organization. Thank you, Fabiana. I have a question for you before we invite Barbara and Patty to chime in. Uh, intimidation. When, when a new person comes in, especially a CHRO, especially one who, as we said in the opening, may not feel prepared. They may be, but they may not feel they are. Is there ever a sense of intimidation uh, that the board would say would make them feel unwelcome and basically show a lack of emotional intelligence on the part of the standing or the sitting board members? Any thoughts on that? Then they are in the wrong board. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Absolutely. You know, yep. I, I think this is very similar to the role of compliance officers in the board. Um, and I have had that experience as a compliance officer myself and also being at the same time part of a different board, you know, of a different company. But Self-esteem um, is very important. Understanding your weaknesses and your strengths is very important. Confidence is half of the battle. And so if you feel unwelcome in the board, you know, either you're in the wrong board, they're displaying the wrong values, it's worth a conversation, it's worth for you understanding why they're reacting that way to you. I don't think that that's uh, very common. Most people that get into a board have been vetted thoroughly. I mean, it's not only the recommendations. It's you're coming there because somebody wants you there. So that's, you know, 
a step ahead of the game, generally speaking. Thank you very yes, much. And, very and insightful. Barbara, go ahead. Yes, and I, but everybody starts somewhere. Everybody has a, a, a first run at being a board member, and it, it can be an intimidating place. And there's this whole aura of gravitas, you know, that surrounds it, and everything is about power, and it's very formal. And, and I think when you're in the boardroom, you've got to act like you belong there. You've got to have a, um, a tone and a presence that sort of positions you as, as competent and confident and a, a trusted advisor. Because if you act like a subordinate, that's how the board's going to treat you. And, and I think it's what's sort of um, we're on the threshold at this point as CHROs because CFOs and even CIOs and, and, and others of the C-suite, who they have grown comfortable in the boardroom over the years. It's been their regular place. But it's new for us, and, and uh, you know, there's just there's hardly any training out there for it. You're just sort of expected to jump in and wing it with the others. Write a passage, dive into the end of, edge of the pool, dive into the pool, and uh, be that tea bag in hot water, as Eleanor Roosevelt said. Patty Fletcher. <laughs> I'm like crazy. Patty, Patty Fletcher, that's right. Patty, how fast should the CHRO swim? And in a minute, we're going to talk about the role of women as CHROs. But, Patty, before we get to that and Barbara's talking points, uh, Patty, thoughts on what we've discussed? Emotional intelligence, how often do you see that in a board, truly, truly? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the thing. So emotional intelligence, how often do I see it? It depends on the board member. Um, obviously, the stronger ones have it. Uh, the, the thing to remember is that everybody in the board is there, as Fabiana said. They were very, very vetted, and they were vetted for a few things. Um, number one, they were vetted for who they know. Um, that's a huge, and who knows them, right? Um, and then they were vetted for, for why those people know them. So all of those very important competence things. The CHRO isn't necessarily going to be a member of the board, but they're certainly going to need to work with the board. And so when they come there, they need to show up really, really prepared, knowing that the majority of people on that board don't have an HR background, may have a view of HR that's more transactional than transformational, more execution-oriented, more give me the report and tell me revenue per employee and how many people work here um, kind of thing. So part of that job for that CHRO is going to be using his or her emotional intelligence to understand, I think, Fabiana, it was you who said, to understand the reactions of the people in the room to what it is they're saying and be able to meet those board members where they are to get them where they need to be, which requires a significant amount of emotional intelligence from the CHRO to realize it's not about them. It's about the knowledge that the board needs in order to come to the right decisions as they're connecting those dots as Barbara said, um, super, super, super important. Thank you, Patty. It, it sounds like they need poise and patience and a good Sandra Man cocktail waiting for them at the end of the meeting. You think? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I remember, it's not about the room. Now, I have a question for, for Patty, and then I'm going to move on to some notes from Barbara's list. Patty, if the concept we're talking about today is that the CHRO is new to the C-suite, I'm going to ask a, well, it's going to sound like a very naive question. I think you know what I'm going to ask. Who did that part of the discussion at the C-suite table before HR had that seated, before each HR took the opportunity to claim their seat? Who was talking about policies? Who was talking about governance? Who was talking about uh, workforce statistics and, and demographics and who's leaving and who's coming and how to find the best talent? Who was having those discussions with the board? Or was it just an HR administrator slipping the report under the door? 
I think it's, it's, it depends on the company. Most times it's the CEO talking about the whole company, and that CEO might have a view of what's happening in the business, but it's not necessarily the factual view of what's happening in the business. So HR, um, when they would show up in the boardroom, would be, again, far more transactional, far more numbers-based, um, more on the finance side, right, to, to Barbara's point earlier, the amount of money mm-hmm. spent versus the talent side, the more strategic kinds of things um, that that really do need to be discussed when we're talking about long-term risks <laughs> and strategies and differentiation. Um, heads of sales would be talking about talent as part of their um, as part of their role. So CHRO is not necessarily new to the C-suite. It's new to the governance and policymaking. That's so Thank- different. Yes. Thank you, Patty. Good. I appreciate the uh, diverge, the going off the road there, off the path. I just wanted to know that. So, Barbara, okay, and I'm looking at your notes, and now let's get to the gender question. You say HR is new to the boardroom, and many CHRO roles are held by women, and you add how you feel about yourself will greatly impact your performance as a board member, meaning confidence, insecurity. I mentioned poise and patience. And then you say no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. You have every right to be at the table, finally representing your organization organization's most valuable asset, its people. Barbara, talk to me. How many women are actually ascending oh, to the, I don't know whether the glass ceiling is above or below the boardroom ceiling. I'm not, we haven't even mentioned that metaphor, but how many women are, are making it into the C-suite and saying, finally, or saying, damn, do I have to do this? Any observations, Barbara? Well, you know, it's it's a growing number. I can say that. I'm certainly not in every board and in, in, uh, in every organization around the country, but um, I think as the you know traditionally, it, it's been sort of an odd um, phenomena. So many folks in, in HR have been female for so many years, and yet that has changed over the last fifteen or twenty. And there certainly are a number of of males who very well deservedly um, have have reached that CHRO level. And so I, I don't even know what the uh, what the mix of numbers of gender numbers would be on this, but there are there is an increasing number of of women in the in the boardroom, and that quote again, by the way, comes from Eleanor Roosevelt: "No one can make you feel inferior without your consent." And that goes back to our discussion about you know the intimidation of the uh, formality of of the uh, of the boardroom and everyone who's already been comfortable there, and it's been traditionally male. Let's you know let's face it. So I, I think it takes a lot of strength and, and a lot of confidence and competence to, uh, to be on that board. And, and then finally, most importantly, you've got to execute. You know, when you get, when you get um, your, uh, your players in line and your votes counted and your motions passed and the initiatives discussed, et cetera, et cetera, You've got to go out and do what the board has, has asked you and the CEO have asked you to do. And that's where we've got to take a very strong look at, at how well you can do this and you can, uh, you can accomplish the goals that have been set. Thank you, Barbara. Very astute comments. Patty Fletcher, join us. Thoughts, please? Yeah, so this is, these are U.S. numbers only. Um, I couldn't get global data. Um, 76% of HR managers are women, according to the U.S. Department of Labor, and 49% of HR officers at the top 100 employers in the U.S. are, are women. 
So a really, really good representation. It, it does make me wonder, hmm, with that high of a representation, I wonder if there is some kind of a connection as to why CHROs are still struggling with that seat at the table. Um, so very, very interesting that there and something to, to ponder. You know, I, I think one thing we haven't talked about um, is about analytics um, in this role. And having done a lot of work on the HR space, a lot of work on women in leadership, one thing that you have on your side is to neutralize versus internalize, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're in the boardroom, it is intimidating. Make no mistake. It's very intimidating. And chances are you're walking into a situation with board members who are very comfortable with each other very used to being adversarial because that's what boards should do, um, very used to the other C-suite players who are in there. If you become data savvy, if you become analytic savvy as an HR leader and understand just as a salesperson would understand the internal and external um, opportunities, challenges, and risks based on data, um, CHROs should do that as well. Arm themselves. Make it about the content that they are presenting about the content that should be discussed and inform the strategies that are in place, the policy discussions that are happening versus making it about them, making it about the person. That's a Thank really you. great way to up that confidence. Thank you, Patty. Since you brought up analytics, let's go around the table and see what Fabiana has to add to that, please. I fully agree. But I, one thing that we have to keep in mind is that any CHROs, that are seasoned and been doing this for a while, even if they have not been on a board yet, have already been presenting to the board. Because most major companies, most companies that I've been involved with, um, the CHRO is the one that talks to the um, compensation committee, and it's talking about people, it's talking about process, it's talking about analytics, are already presenting the numbers, do already present a strategy on who they need to retain, how they retain the best talent, what do they need to do, and how they're going about it. So that's something that they have to be very comfortable with because for years they've been presented Mm -hmm. at a very senior level. They've been instrumental in making the key decisions, sometimes even about their CEO, um, on how this is going to work. So very, very important that they bring that experience once they become board members because more and more about is do we have the right people? If we have the right people, how do we keep them? And if we don't have the right people, how do we make the right moves at the right time strategically? So knowing that, um, it's going to make a big difference, and they already have that experience. Thank you. Barbara, I want to get your thoughts on this, on analytics, and then I have a wonderful quote from the Eagles you sent me in your notes, and we've got to get this in because it's too good not to mention. Absolutely, and and, um, I I didn't even realize you'd held on to that, but I will will probably position you to to do a nice segue into it because um, that's the (laughs) analytics point, and that is I think you've got to resist the urge to bury the board in data um, Mm -hmm. because that's going to look and feel transactional, there's there's limited amount of time, and what they want is the analysis, is the ability to uh, for you to show them and help influence and guide them into, um, with your, as, as Fabiana was saying, with your talent strategy to understand what the initiatives are, what the, what the movement is, what the policies are, 
and how that all pulls together and connects to the business objectives. If you're not connecting HR and, and the business, then you really shouldn't be in the boardroom at all. You're not the, the uh, strategist that you need to be. Interesting. And now let me bring in the quote, and the quote is from the Eagles, Take It Easy, 1972, co-written by Glenn Fry and Jackson Brown. Don't let the sound of your own wheels make you crazy. Barbara, you have to relate that to this. Whose wheels are they spinning? Are they burning? Are they stuck in the mud? Is this the CRO going into the door of the C-suite, CHRO, or leaving the C-suite? Whose wheels? It can be both. It absolutely can be both. And, and this sort of um, connects everything that we're talking about, not only from the standpoint of, of a data dump, but from the, the whole issue of the intimidation factor and your confidence. If you go into the board thinking that you're not comfortable in there and you're not acting like you belong, there's a real tendency to overanalyze everything and to bring in data that you know volumes and volumes of of numbers and facts and uh, and that's not what board members want to see and it doesn't really help anything. So when you go in, have it pulled together, have it analyzed, and be ready to present. Otherwise, the numbers alone, the volume of of information and concern that you're dealing with is just going to make you crazy. It's too much. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, Shades of Eagles like that song. I kept playing it over and over my head saying, don't let the sound of your own wheels drive. And I said, where do I know it? Where do I know it? And I, I had to Google it. I was really annoyed that I had to because I tip of my tongue. We all grew up with that. At least I did. I think a couple of you might have. So, Patty, Great you want to chime in on this? Go back to your analytics topic because I do want to get to the millennium question. So, so yeah, uh, you want to sure. wrap up analytics? Yeah, we have just about sure. uh, three so, three minutes yeah, before we start predictions. Important. Right. I think it's important. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, thank you, Barbara, for, for adding on to that because you're absolutely right. But the data should be telling a story, and that's the point. Mm-hmm. And the CHRO, what is that story you want to tell? And also, do you want to inform strategy or do you want to have an impact on strategy or do you simply want to figure out how to make that strategy happen? So, you know, those are... Those are very important questions, and I think the other thing is to understand where you plug that information in. Non-executive directorships, right, which is kind of what we're talking about here, um, they're more and more, you know, they, they've gone from being a trend to just being how it is, and they're not cushy jobs anymore, right? It's not, I didn't get excited. My roommate from Yale and I are, you know, in the same thing. We actually have to show up. And one of the things that's been interesting about HR and HR data and the role of CHROs there's been a lot of talk, if you're a member of the National um, Association for Corporate Directors, there's been talk over the last few years around should there be an HR committee. The most popular committees, of course, are the Nominating Committee, the Executive Committee, the Risk Committee, Compensation and Audit Committee. And the topic of HR committee has come up, and I, I'm pretty strongly against an HR committee. Um, I think HR is the one thing besides finance that permeates every single decision you make in a business and therefore every risk you hold in a business. To Fabiana's earlier point, do you have the right people? Are the right people going to stay? Is the structure correct? And so when you're thinking about analytics and you're thinking about those super important committees, understanding what what is the insight needed to inform strategy, risk assessment, um, policy making in each of those categories and how you as a non-executive directorship or somebody just 
meeting with the board, and I've seen both, not not just what Fabiana said, but, but HR just kind of giving the, re, the kind of standard HR reports. Um, so I've seen both. But um, what is it that you have to bring to the table? What is that information? And sometimes the information they ask you for isn't the information you should bring, the, that knowledgeable insight. So being comfortable with that, again, using it to tell a story, meet people where they are, get them to where they need to be to understand the opportunities and the risks in each of those key areas is important. Thank you, Patty. I'm going to keep it with you for a minute. Let's hit that M word pretty hard because we're yeah. starting our predictions. Actually, we're late for predictions, but uh, one, two sentences from each of you on uh, where millennials are going to be. I don't want to make this part of the predictions, but part of the main conversation. We might have a little less time for predictions. Where will the millennials yeah. be in the CHRO world in, uh, let's say, in the next two years? Patty? Yeah, a few things. I'm, I'm a little against the millennial thing. I think it's the millennial effect. HR is very used to new generations coming into the workforce. So it's about the effect. The important thing about the effect of the new, this new generation is that they hold vastly different expectations when it comes to the relationships that they want to have with the organization versus my generation, Generation X, or the baby boomers or the traditionalists. So very, very different expectations of the organization, of the leadership, of their boss, of HR, of each other. So as they're growing, it'll be very interesting to see um, if they continue with that and what that looks like, right? Gig workforce, I don't want to have the same relationship. I don't want to be the CEO because I don't like how they have to live their life. It'll be Mm -hmm. those kinds of millennial effect kinds of thoughts. It'll be very, very interesting to see how that plays out as they do get into these more people leadership kinds of roles and how they do structure for success and how the governance around that is structured. I certainly think it will have an impact. Thank you, Patty. I changed my mind. That was your prediction. Fabiana, give us a, uh, I have time for uh, 60 seconds for you, Patty. That was beautiful. Fabiana Lacerca Allen, predictions, how far in the future? What will change if we meet again? I know we will about HR in the boardroom, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Will it still be ugly? Will it be bad? Or will it mostly be good? Fabiana, go. It'd be mostly good. Change is opportunity. Um, Anytime that... Historically, the boards have been very homogeneous, you know. Um, generally, is white, is male, and is over 60. Um, and the millennials are bringing different values, different experiences. My first experience is presenting to the board many, many years back. I had to put a map up. Most people didn't even know where Chile was, and they thought it was spelled like the food, two eyes. And it's like, no, that's the food. This is the country. O-M-G. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. I'm sorry. They had not had the experience. They thought that, you know, all the work was done through their uh, assistant. They had never, you know, heard of P- P- PDFs. They could only fax things, and, and things have changed. The millennials coming with great experiences. Most of them have traveled the world already, have a great understanding of how things stand, how things are done. They're going to bring great change into the boardroom, and I can't wait to see it. Thank you very much. Barbara O'Kane, predictions. I've got exactly 60 seconds for you, so make it tight, Barbara. Go ahead. Sure. T- totally agree with, with what was just said. And, and that is, I think, whether you, um, you subscribe to the millennials being a different generation or not, the fact of the matter is they are, um, there is a new generation coming along. And what we're seeing is that they are advocates. They're not bureaucrats. 
And that has implications across a wide range of, of uh, demographics that will affect a board, whether they're on it um, or they're investors or they're employees. This is a much more activist group, and they're going to make more and more demands upon whether, again, whether employees or investors, they're going to make more and more demands upon boards. So I think it's going to continue to be a challenge, and I think it's going to be a very positive challenge. Thank you. I like optimism. Patty Fletcher, I am thrilled. I think this was a wonderful way to kick off your new series, Changing the Game with HR. I want to congratulate you and thank your very special and very smart panelists, Fabiana Lacerca Allen and Barbara O'Kane. Patty, I got uh, two seconds. What's on the next segment, the next show in two weeks? Quickly, what's your topic? Yep, the next show is Do CHROs Need a New Conversation? So I think this was an excellent segue into that. Terrific. And we'll be covering transformation to tra- tra- from transactional to transformation. So Terrific. Talk. We did set the groundwork for that. Patty Fletcher, Dr. Patty Fletcher, Fabiana Lacerca Allen, and Barbara Kane. Such a pleasure to be with the three of you. And thanks. And check out hashtag SAP Radio. I'm going nuts there, capturing your words of wisdom. Here's my call to action. After I thank our Justin at the Business Channel, our engineer, for getting us on the air and keeping us there, my call to action is the same. Fasten your seatbelt. Those CHROs going into the boardroom, you may need to have an invisible seatbelt while you're there and then unbuckle it and run out if things get tough. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. This is the end of our broadcast week. Five live shows. We'll be back next week. Happy Memorial Day weekend to all of you in the U.S. and remember what it stands for. That's it for now. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit